0: If you're not confident in who you are and what you have to offer, it's easy for someone to come along and tell you who you are and make you feel like you're less than.
1: Hi, and welcome to Old Maid, a podcast about faithful single life at the Very Merry Church. I'm Geraldine. Today's conversation is with Ethleen Sawyer, author of Defiant – Redefining Singleness at 30+. In a world that still treats marriage as an accomplishment, Ethleen Sawyer found herself conflicted about the arrival of her 30th birthday. Still single, she questioned why God had continued to withhold one of the things she desired most – a husband. With a spouse came a lifetime companion to love, a close confidant to share every secret with and a partner to raise a family. The book chronicles Ethleen's introspective journey chronicling pivotal moments of frustration, loneliness, and transformation as a single Christian woman longing for God's
0: best. I was born in Sierra Leone, in Freetown, Sierra Leone, and my family came here when I was five going on six, and we settled in New Jersey. So I grew up in New Jersey, um, and I have a business. So I teach English. We provide English language services, and from tutoring to copywriting, resume writing, um, ESL instruction. So that is what I love to do. Um, I graduated with a degree in English, so it's kind of right up my alley. And as far as fun goes, I love indoor rock climbing swimming tennis I don't get to do it as much but definitely if I have when I have opportunities I def- those are the things that I do and I enjoy cooking I'm not in the kitchen a lot but I love to cook
1: now that you've been stuck at home a lot have you been doing more cooking
0: I have um, <laughs> I have experimented with pasta and different types of sauces. And actually I just, uh, defrosted some chicken because I'm going to do like a teriyaki dish nice. either today or tomorrow. Um, but yeah, I've been playing around in the kitchen a lot.
1: And have you been finding ways to stay active at home too? If you can't, you know, go indoor rock climbing
0: the, so working out and staying active has been challenging. I live on the top floor. So there are people below me and they're elderly I, I and the apartment um, is an older building. So there's like a lot of squeaks and stuff. I have not been super active for the last two months and we're in my community. I don't feel necessarily like it's a place where I can go out running or, you know, mm. things like that by myself. So yeah, it's, it's been a challenge.
1: Yeah. That would be a little bit tough for sure. That's one of the things that I've been relying on because I live in, in a relatively nice, safe neighborhood that I don't mind going out
0: mm-hmm. and running
1: around. And I have been. And it's really been helpful to keep me sane. So that must be tough to have to stay inside like that.
0: <laughs> I envy you. Oh, I wish I could. But
1: <laughs> do you at least have a balcony that you can go out on or something?
0: I have a balcony. And you know what? I've thought about going out. The Georgia heat has been brutal the last couple of I would say it's fluctuated. So there are some days when it's it's hotter than it's been. And then other days when it's cooler, I have not maximized my balcony because I honestly, I forget that it's there until oh someone mentions gosh. it. And I was like, oh, I have a balcony.
1: So once we got like sort of told to stay home, I'm like, we got to maximize the space. Uh-huh. I've got to get my chairs out there and like prepare like a little garden and everything. Uh-huh.
0: So what have you been, have you been growing or you've been planting flowers? Um, okay. So we, for
1: one thing, as I'm sure you're aware, our cl- climate is a little bit colder here mm-hmm. and we've had a very cold spring. And okay. so I've actually only gotten my flowers out and my, a few vegetables this okay. weekend because it's just been too cold to put them out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's just been beautiful this weekend. It's been lovely. So we've been, my roommate and I. I've been out there just lounging in the sun, and so you said that you came to New Jersey with your family when you were five or six. Can you tell me a little bit what what life was like growing up?
0: Growing up, um, so I, I my family is pretty conservative, like conservative Christian. So mm-hmm. church, our life was basically school, home, church. Those were the things that we did. Um, I was my church. Thankfully, and I appreciate it now when I think about how life was when I was younger, um, my church had a lot of activities and programs for us. So I was in drama. I did fine arts, um, which is like a competition for writing. And there are all these different things that you could do. I did liturgical dancing. And at one point I was part of this hip hop group. Um, but nice. it's I, I did a lot in the church. And then, with school, I was involved with certain clubs, so like French club and newspaper club. So, Growing up in New Jersey, I definitely would say that I was privileged to have been afforded opportunities to engage in different activities and kind of figure out what I wanted to do with my life at a younger age. And I was surrounded by people who didn't look like me. Sometimes, you know, they had accents and it was just very diverse. And I, I loved that. So I was definitely exposed to a lot of culture at a young age.
1: That sounds awesome. And what were your your expectations of what adult life was going to look like when you were little?
0: I thought I was going to get married at like 18, 19. I I don't know. For some reason, I just thought that was the thing to do. I would meet someone. We'd be high school sweethearts. I'd get married. We'd get married really young and then start having a family. I thought I was going to have this like life of picket fence, beautiful home. I, I don't know. Maybe I watched too many romantic movies. Maybe, you know, maybe too much Hallmark. But I imagined being like this perfect wife who also had a business and kind of did my thing. But then I was a great mom. And like, I was the trifecta.
1: Were your were you, Did your parents get married really young, too?
0: Yes. Well, my so my father is six years older than my mother. But yes, I would say... Yeah. My mom was fairly young when she, when they got married.
1: Cause like my, my mom was 19 and my dad was 21 when he, they got married. So super young. And so when I was little, then I was like, Oh, 19 must be when women get married, I guess.
0: <laughs> and you know, I honestly, maybe that's what it was. Maybe I, I <laughs> subliminally thought that that was sort of the thing to do, but also I think culturally. So if we had stayed in Sierra Leone, that would have probably been around the age when I would start having those conversations or my parents would start having those conversations. Are you going to get married? Are you thinking about it? If I didn't pursue education, if mm-hmm. I had pursued education and trying to get, you know, multiple degrees and all of that, it wouldn't have been such a big deal, I think. I, I don't think it would have been a big deal. But if I didn't, then yeah, getting married mm-hmm. young was kind of the thing.
1: So you're single now, though. So you didn't yeah. get married super young. What was the journey that brought you here to where you are now?
0: So I didn't start dating until college. And even in college, I didn't date a lot of men. And I think that the men uh, I dated, the relationships were not the healthiest. They weren't the greatest. And not that they were necessarily bad guys, but my faith is very much a big part of who I am. And so being with someone who didn't, hold their faith in as high a regard, um, or in as high, um, didn't hold their faith to such a high level as I did, um, it became very challenging. So even though they were believers, or they had faith, we just didn't click because I'm trying to really go after God, and they are just kind of okay with where they are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was a challenge. And then, you know, I, I noticed myself getting into these patterns where I'd enter into relationships, and the relationship wouldn't work out, then I would need a good amount of time to really collect myself and get myself together. I spent a lot of time in introspection. We could have dated for a month and it would take me nine months to a year to get to the place where I feel good about myself, I feel comfortable in who I am to acknowledge a man does not uh, dictate my identity. Right, so I I, I think that um, when I started noticing myself going into those patterns, I recognized that something has to change. And I had moments where God and I had those conversations of, "What is it? Is it me? What am I doing wrong? What could be different?"
1: So you're dealing with kind of recognizing that, that you know your identity is not in men, and also just sort of finding, uh, working out what has been healthy and what has not been healthy, and meanwhile. Being single and kind of having to have that expectation of getting married, um, was it painful? Was it emotionally tough to stay single and being like, well, maybe I'm just not going to get this, this, um, the life that I thought I was going to have in the beginning?
0: So there was a point on my journey after college where I essentially lived by myself and it was in that moment. It happened twice, actually. The first time it happened, I saw my faith really grow. And it was the second time it happened when I was in Pennsylvania that I realized that my life and my life's purpose is for God. And so I I had a lot of time. I was frustrated with God because I was in a place. I didn't have family. I didn't have friends. And I'm like, why am I here? What am I doing? I know that I'm supposed to be here, but I'm by myself and feeling that loneliness. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of relationships, I just, I had this, these, con- I had these conversations with God where he would, you know, basically just reinforce this whole idea of rest in me and stay in me and, and, you know, gr- get closer to me, learn more about me. And so I think as far as the, the loneliness or the the feelings and the emotions I experienced, I didn't dwell on my singleness because my focus was more so growing my relationship with God.
1: But did you have to deal with the more practical aspects of loneliness as well? Or were you able to not have, you know, not focus on that and just be okay with it?
0: So the practical aspects, they didn't, at that particular point, they, I found that the more time I spent with God, the less I felt the loneliness of those, of you know, those feelings of loneliness. It was mm-hmm. later on in life where I had to really deal with okay I'm going through a cycle again I'm, I'm in the valley again feeling by myself what what can I do to get out of this
1: what did you do to get out of it then <laughs> I guess this is the next
0: question um, so I, I I started looking at who I am and and put, putting to paper my identity so to speak what did I love to do what was I good at in in really taking stock of what I brought to the table, what I had to offer, the things I wanted to learn, the things I wanted to improve about myself. Um, so when I when I looked at who I was and who I wanted to be, my dreams, my aspirations, I started working on those things. And so instead of focusing on, oh, I don't have friends, I feel by myself, I started going on Meetup, like I joined Meetup and started going out with strangers, which may or may not be the safest thing. And I think definitely there are, there are things we can put into practice to to protect our safety. And I did. Um, living in the city, you learn really quickly how to stay on guard and, and kind of be vigilant and all of that. So I started being more proactive about recognizing when I needed social engagement, when I needed to be with people or um, those times when I had a desire to be in a relationship and depending, uh, relying more on my friends or people around me or just doing things that I loved uh, to make myself feel better about who I was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you
1: wrote this book um, Mm -hmm. and and a lot of Basically, from reading the description, a lot of it has to do with chronicling that that journey through that frustration and the loneliness and the transformation. Why was it important to you to write that book?
0: I wrote the book. Um, it started out as a series of journal entries to my unborn daughter in the event that she was 30 or 30 plus And in that predicament where she finds herself, well, it's not a predicament, but in that place where she finds herself thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm 30. I'm older than 30 and I'm still single, what's wrong with me? That was really what I was trying to address by chronicling the thoughts and emotions and feelings that I have and what I've been through in my journey. Because I I don't want women, and I don't, especially the young girls, I thought about a certain uh, number of young girls in my life who I babysat or helped raise throughout the years. And I mean, these girls are So brilliant. They're so amazing. And I didn't want them to grow up thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so accomplished, but a man doesn't want me. So I'm worthless.
1: Hmm, That
0: was my objective. And that I just, I, I hear too many stories of women who, even if they're not super accomplished, they they're good women, and they have a lot going for themselves, and they are are just killing it in their individual fields. It doesn't have to be in the business world; um, it could be in in you know in their in the art space or what have you. But because the world still tells us if we're not if we are a certain age and we haven't gotten that ring, then we amount to nothing. And I, I I didn't want that to continue. I wanted to at least contribute my little piece of, yeah, you're going to feel this way. You're going to have these emotions and have these thoughts, but they're normal and that doesn't take away from who you are.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's an aspect where maybe, you know, should we become parents or should we have, you know, nieces and, and um, our young friends to counsel, we should start? trying to sort of dismantle that expectation of you need to get married, and to sort of go at that route as well?
0: So I totally do. I, I think that I was fortunate, and I didn't realize this until I got older, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. that I had that growing up. And that's why, although I had my own struggles with being single at this age, I didn't I could have gone a lot deeper into those bad relationships, into those unhealthy patterns, but because I had women in my life growing up who were 30 plus and still single, I was okay. Like it it did a lot for me for my confidence, for believing in myself and still wanting to push to have a career and all of that. So I I do I I wish we would have more of those conversations. It's 2020 and you know, everyone is, I can do whatever I want. It's my life, don't tell me what to do. But I think there is wisdom that the older generation can pass to the younger. And because of what our world is now where you can't tell me what to do because you're not my mother, or even if you are my mother, it's my life, um, we're losing, we're missing out on those conversations that are really beneficial.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And, and not like I want to tear down marriage in any way. I mean, it's obviously God given and, and, and a beautiful picture of, of, you know, the bride of Christ and things like that. But I guess maybe as single women, it's our part to play, um, to model mm-hmm. the healthiness that you can have as a single part, a single woman and that you do are not uh, incomplete. You are just mm-hmm. different. Yeah. yeah. So your site says that the book invites single women of all ages and walks of life to defy the stigmas and topics surrounding their relationship status. Um, What do you see as the stigmas of singleness?
0: I have been told that I'm single because I'm not trying hard enough. Mm. Um, I'm still single because my standards are too high. I'm still single because I work too much and I don't have t- I don't make time for people. So I, I think there's these constant things that people who don't know us and some who do will assume about our lives and what we do um, regarding our relationships and our, our romantic lives um, that make it a challenge. Um, and those are those are some examples of the stigmas that I've encountered around my relationship status.
1: Okay. And how have you dealt with stigmas like that?
0: In the beginning, it was hard. Um I definitely and I think that I succumbed to a lot of those and I tried to not be that person. I tried not to be the workaholic. And in me trying not to be the workaholic, I was painting this really bad picture of myself. And I don't I don't think I'm a workaholic, but people from the outside who don't know you um will will say, oh she's a workaholic, that's why she can't get a man or that's why she's not with anyone. Um, and so when I tried to be more free and open, the men that I was attracting, I realized they have no idea who I am. Like they they were presented with one image, but that's not even close to who I am. So I think, you know, I, I stopped presenting those masks. I stopped putting on those facades. And I write about it in the book, actually, you know, um, dumbing myself down, making myself out to be someone that I'm not. Uh, because I thought that that's what I had to do to please a guy or to get a guy.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And so I just, I stopped. I just continued being myself.
1: Yeah. I mean, in some ways it is a little bit scary to be yourself. I've been thinking about this as I've kind of sort of been dabbling in the world of online dating. Mm -hmm. And part of me is like, I don't even want to start a conversation with you because then I have to, either I pretend to be someone else or I show you you someone, I show you who they're, real me is. And what if you don't like that? (laughs) Especially since, you know, I'm a fairly independent, Mm -hmm. uh, opinionated woman. And and my experience has been that that doesn't always fly.
0: (laughs) No, it doesn't. And I've had similar experiences. And so I've learned to just get it out of the way sooner than later. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to let you know the, the things that I know have deterred others, so that if it does deter you, then clearly you weren't it. Um, but I, I, because you're going to see it eventually there's, but so much pretending or, but so much, um, softening that I can do for my, with regards to my personality and things like that. So just, let's just get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. These are some things about me that you may not like, but it's, it's who I am. and It's part of what makes me, me. So if you're attracted to me, then you're probably attracted to this aspect of me. Yeah, mm-hmm. for
1: sure. That's good advice. Maybe I'll just have to try i <laughs> I just <laughs> Sometimes I'm just afraid. I'm like, but wait, what if I'm just offending them on the first go? But anyways. <laughs> anyways, you mentioned in one article on your site, uh, Single Life Navigator, um, you write about people assuming you're a man hater. Um, but that's not the case. I sometimes have actually f- have found myself falling into bitterness against men, partially to- just because of rejection of like, the real me will not be accepted kind of thing. Has that been an issue? Um And how have you worked toward, you know, establishing a right view of men?
0: Yes. So I've been accused of being a man hater. Um, and it's taken a lot to get to this place where I can talk about it. But definitely the, the sense of rejection from them has, has been real. And I felt it. And I, I think it's because I wasn't Willing to see the beauty in who I was. And it's not just physical beauty. I think when someone takes a cut at your personality, when they say something, and it's not necessarily that my personality is horrible, it's just, it's not what they're used to, right? Hmm. It, it's not what they're accustomed to. And so instead of acknowledging that, um, it's easier to just say, well, you're harsh or you're abrasive. But th- I think recognizing that different things will work for different people, right? So me being very blunt and upfront about something, and that's not necessarily how I am all the time, but for example, me being very blunt is not something this person will appreciate, but it's a characteristic that another will. And so I've, I've learned that not every man will value me. And there are definitely personality types of men that... I cannot be in a romantic relationship with because we will just go at it all the time. Um, so in the process of learning myself, I have learned to recognize the type of the characteristics in a man that I may not always love, but that are good for me. And so I, those are the types of men that I now allow to pursue me or I allow to let's have conversations and let's talk because even though there are things about you that drive me up the wall, like you take forever to make a decision. That's what I need. Because sometimes I can be really quick to to do something. And sometimes I need to take time and I need Mm -hmm. someone else who's going to say, Hey, let's stop and and really consider and think about these things. Um, So, so in regards to, um, being a man hater and, and being accused of being a man hater and, and the sense of being rejected by men. I don't feel it anymore when people accuse me of these things, because I, I know for myself that I don't hate men. There are things about men that I absolutely love. And I, I believe that men bring something to the table. That's a value, um, to the relationship. And so I, I, I just, I think it's a matter of learning what kind of man complements you what mm-hmm. what are those attributes that um will help you to grow and once you start to see that then it's beautiful mm-hmm. i guess part of that is sort of just not painting them all with
1: the same brush yeah to borrow the cliche like it's like oh just because this one doesn't appreciate mm-hmm. me doesn't mean well for one thing it doesn't mean he's bad it just means that you don't jive but like yeah. it doesn't mean that they're all that way yeah, yeah. They're, they're not all gonna be like Geez, she's so opinionated. So in Though in this case, it would be true for me. I mean, not for you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, no, I, I'm pretty opinionated too, but, yeah.
1: You know. <laughs> um, also on your site, you talked about having to learn how to fix things yourself, uh, which I recently became a homeowner, so I'm also learning that. Thank <laughs> um, what, you. What have some skills, what are some skills that you've had to learn as a single lady that you might have thought, oh, I, I will never need need these?
0: painting. I am now a master painter. And, you know, to all the painters in the world, God bless you, because it (laughs) is just, it is so time consuming. Um, I had to Repaint my bathroom, my bedroom. Um, when I got a condo, I decided I didn't like the orangey color of one, of the rooms, and so like, we did like this funky little design thing or you know stylistic thing. But um, yes, learning how to paint walls, learning how to fix light fixtures, like do base like simple electric work, uh, switching out light fixtures. I have changed the rear lights on my car, on my mm-hmm. Nissan. Uh, the bulb blew out and they were gonna charge me like $50 to fix it. So I went on YouTube and figured out how to do it. And I thought I was so proud, I was so proud of myself because those those small things that are typically assigned to the male gender, uh, for me, those are not things that I would have typically tried to do. But uh, now that I'm able to do them, I feel so accomplished and I feel proud. So those are some of the manual things I've learned to do.
1: Yeah. I, when when I moved into this condo, my dad gave me a toolbox. Now, I had been living in, I've been living independently for quite a few years. So it's not like I was moving out of his place. But mm-hmm. he, you know, I guess now I'm a homeowner. He's like, you need this toolbox. And so uh-huh. that toolbox, because I've been kind of locked into my place, I've had a lot of time to contemplate what I want to do. So mm-hmm. I, I've been very busy with my toolbox and my screwdrivers and my stud finder and all those things, <laughs> making good use of them hanging things left and right. But and yeah. it's
0: valuable. Like I feel like there's this whole world that's been opened up. Like it's 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 just the coolest thing ever being able to fix stuff on your own and not have mm-hmm. to hire someone and spend money.
1: Though I will say that if you try to hang a bike rack
0: with mm-hmm. only
1: a screwdriver, you will get blisters on your hands. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah. So then that's a good time to Borrow power tools. Yes, someone in your life. That
0: yes. <laughs> and power tools. Oh my goodness. The, the oh, being able to operate a power tool in general. Oh my oh, gosh. Yeah. <sighs> <sighs> <laughs> I feel great.
1: <laughs> it's a whole new world. It is. <laughs> Do you actually like own your own power tools now too?
0: No. So when I worked, I worked at a college and one of the students, he was building like a stage or something and he actually taught me how to use power tools. But I don't think, um, my interest in being Miss it is is deep enough that I would purchase them because they're really expensive.
1: Yeah, no, I feel the same way. I borrowed one, but I don't know if I would ever like, no, but I don't think I'd buy my own. Like, what do yeah. I need? A, what <laughs> do I need a drill for really? But, but it was fun to use. Mm-hmm. Sure beats a screwdriver. That's for sure. It sure does. If you could like suggest to say there's a young woman who is just about to move out and like you should really learn a couple of these skills. What would you suggest for for starters?
0: Learning how to budget. Budgeting is is a is a big thing that I don't think we're taught enough anymore. Learning how to change a flat tire. That's also huge. Doing some basic things like how to change a light bulb, how to check if uh, an appliance is working or not, whether it's a a minor thing where the appliance itself is dead or if it's an issue with the electrical work. Those are some things that I think are are beneficial. They're helpful.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, cooking is nice, too. (laughs) Knowing,
0: Knowing how to do taxes is good, too. You know, I I don't know how to do taxes. I I've, I've considered trying to learn. Um, it's just it's it, I think, but also for me because I have the business and now I have the book and everything. It's oh yeah, easy. that's a lot just, of stuff. Yeah, but I I've, I've thought about wanting to do taxes.
1: My parents taught me how to do taxes by saying, "Here, this is our tax accountant. Call them, get an appointment, and go there." So
0: <laughs> I don't actually know how
1: to do my taxes either. I just I just take it to the tax accountant and she does oh. it. <laughs> So next question, um, have there been benefits to being single? And what have those been?
0: One huge benefit that I I love and I covet is um, the ability to come home and if I don't feel like doing anything, I don't do anything. If there are dishes in the sink and I don't feel like washing them, I don't. Um, <laughs> so that's that's a practical benefit, right? But I love the ability and the freedom that I have as a single person I've been able to go to Seattle, Pennsylvania, D.C., just kind of, like, hop around, bounce around. And I think to people on the outside, it's like, what is she doing with her life? Um, Some of the moves have been because I legitimately heard God say, go here. So I just went. Um, Mm -hmm. And others were just opportunities presented themselves, and I took them. Because if I was married... I'd have to consider my husband, and he, potentially if I, we had children, I'd have to think about that. And so I love the freedom that I have to be able to do whatever I want in this time.
1: Uh, so the last question, if you could give one piece of advice to other single women, what would it be?
0: I would really... I would ask single women to really take stock of who they are and what they have to offer and to grab hold of that and make sure that when they're dating, when they're going into relationships, that they know that that is who, that is what they're bringing into that relationship. Um, I think that the idea of being with someone and when you're dating, you're so caught up in wanting them to desire you and to, you know, feel the same way about you that you feel about them mm-hmm. that it opens doors for when you get past the honeymoon phase or the happy, you know, first couple of dates or what have you. Um, it opens up a door for that person to potentially um, maybe chip away at you. And I mean, I, I do it too. When you when when a relationship is fresh, you put on this, you know, thing, right? You put on this this facade or you you try to be on your best behavior and then you ease into your routine, you you ease into your personality. And some of us are really good at that facade, at putting on that mask. And so, if you don't know as a single woman, if you don't if you're not confident in who you are and what you have to offer, it's easy for someone to come along and tell you who you are and make you feel like you're less than. Um, and that's been my biggest I think that's been the biggest lesson learned in all of this. I am amazing. I'm wonderful. and I tell guys that. <laughs> and I say it in jest, but there's truth to that because i I know the value that I can bring. But I also recognize that we have to work to get to that place where we value each other and we understand each other. And so I don't want to be with someone who's going to constantly attack me and make me feel like I have to fit into this role because he's the man and he has to be the higher official or the higher authority.
1: So if people want to find your book or any other, uh, any other of your writing, where would they go find you?
0: My website, EthleenWrites.com. The blog is SingleLifeNavigator.com. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, EthleenWrites. That's where I am.
1: All right. Awesome. Old Maid is written and produced by Geraldyn Witchers. You can find Old Maid on Instagram and Facebook at Old Maid Pod or visit oldmaidpodcast.com. See you next week.